So it's Friday, which would make it June 22nd. I had to find a calendar. Sometimes the day of the week is so much easier to get down than the uh, date of the month. I don't know why. It just is. To start off with, this is supposed to be a podcast that's about FIFA and the World Cup. And it is a podcast about FIFA and the World Cup. But it's occurring in the afternoon after all the games have played. And while I'm catching up on a game or two that I had to miss. The reason for that? Humanity. Just simple. I got tired. And when I woke up automatically at 4.45 with no alarm and no sort of nudge or push, I stumbled out, as I have every morning to watch the games. And after a few minutes and starting my normal routine, I felt a fatigue and maybe a bit of exhaustion that I've been at this pretty steadily since last week. And it was catching up. And I'd spoken about the possibility of going early with my wife down to a place called the Athletic Club to catch one or if not two of the games. But I knew that first I just had to get back in bed. And I was human. Recorded the game that I had started to watch, which was Brazil versus Croatia. And, uh, sorry, Costa Rica. Boy, I think I'm still tired. And then I got back in bed. So I'm recording this now as I get a chance to catch up on all of the games from today. And I'm doing so from my couch, which means you might hear my little French bulldog, Bruno. There's a snort and snuffle from him. Or my pit bull, Fiji, making some noise. If you hear snorting right now, it's because the French bulldog just got right next to my face. Today's podcast is about expectation versus reality and I think it's helpful to point out that the first part that I'm opening with is my expectation since the cup began which is to see every game wake up early be dedicated be committed and the reality is that work gets in the way life gets in the way I'm gonna get tired or exert myself more than I expected to and require more sleep to recover. And if I'm cutting that short on a nightly basis, well, guess what? It's going to catch up, which is what happened today. And I could either get grumpy or berating or self-deprecating, or I can simply acknowledge that I was tired and be thankful that I listened to my body and went back to sleep. (laughs) The expectations at the World Cup are similar in that It was believed that this would be the cup where Ronaldo and Messi would power their teams forward and other heroes would become national symbols of strength and victory and everyone would be charging towards the top with all of the one, two, three, four, and on the way down, staying in their lane, keeping with the expectation And maybe, just maybe, 
offering a surprise or two. Instead, what we found is that the cup is shaping up very differently. Ronaldo has certainly been proving himself to be a legend and one who is capable of rising with the support of his team to great heights. Hat-trick in his first game, a crucial goal in the next game to follow against Morocco, and now he's setting his team up for some really great success as they prepare uh, to go into the knockout round with a lot of momentum. Messi, on the other hand, has struggled. Following a 1-1 tie against Iceland, he has really not had the support that Ronaldo has been shown to see, the person he's been most compared against. And in their most recent game, Argentina struggled with its own commitment issues. A first goal off of a poorly played back pass to the goalie, which was then not served back to a defender with a commitment. And that allowed a opposing player to take advantage of the poor pass, strike the ball right back over the goalie's head. And a 1-0 lead soon became 3-0, insurmountable. And you could see that Argentina was crumbling. And whatever it had based its expectations on was not a true foundation, not something they could actually stand upon. Those were two of the expected stories. And what we've seen is that the expectations have proven likely in one version. And for another part of the story, they have proved the complete opposite. Much like the expectations and the realities have created their own stories for Ronaldo and Messi, so has the upswing of teams that were welcome additions to the World Cup, but certainly not teams that were expected to advance very far. Or, I'm sure in some cases, and has been stated in some publications, not expected to do much more than hopefully put up a good fight before they're eventually passed over. And yet in this cup, that expectation has been met by a reality in which these teams are proving themselves just as competitive. Now, right now, it's 25 minutes, and my recording of Brazil and Costa Rica has Brazil taking an early lead at 25. But there's a penalty flag up, and it appears that there's an offsides call. And in doing so, the expectation that Brazil is just going to charge past Costa Rica is one that's being challenged because of the performance of teams who were categorized the same as Costa Rica. Currently in Group E, where Brazil leads the top, tied with Switzerland, is Serbia right behind them. Brazil and Switzerland have four points each. Serbia has three. All it takes is one difference in goal differential, a win or a tie in the next round of games for their group. And that story changes dramatically. The same can be said for Group B, 
where Spain and Portugal currently hold four points each and are one and two based on goal differentials as well. But right behind them at three points is Iran. Again, the difference of a win versus a tie or an unexpected loss would drastically impact that group standings. And it's those stories of the surprises and the recognition by some announcers that they shouldn't be surprises, that the World Cup is not just a place for these teams to come and do what we want them to or what we hope they'll do, but to come and show us what they're capable of doing and what they're willing to do when given the opportunity on the largest stage to show just how great how unexpected and most importantly perhaps how underrated they really are and I think one of those stories is an example of how the reality can prove to be just as if not more thrilling than the expectation in any event but certainly in this World Cup The expectation whenever something new begins is never the same as the reality. It's just a fact. There's always a goal, there's always a plan. And to paraphrase some of the best quotes, all plans fall apart at the first moment of action. You can use your favorite quote to fill in from that point. But the idea is that Once a plan goes into action, that's when all of the factors that just can't be anticipated, that are variables uh, with high fluctuation, that when those come into play, that's when the real story begins. And the story of the World Cup is like any other endeavor. It begins with the expectations made by the experts and the participants and their guides or coaches and even by the the fans, the supporters, the believers. Because it's when that belief that they carry meets the reality at the end of a game and the final whistle blows. That's the story. That is the reality we all live in. It's one that we share and it's one that allows us to relate to each other because it is is an experience that we all have, whether we admit it or not. In this World Cup, one of the expectations is that we know what's going to happen. But the reality has been much more intriguing and full of greater potential than the expectations ever really could have provided. Much like this recording. The TV's on, the recording of the game I meant to watch this morning allowing me to see the events I wanted to, live. And if you heard it in the background, my little French bulldog, Bruno, giving a bark to let you know that 
I might want to record this with no other distraction than the sound of the game in the background. But if he hears a noise, he's going to do what he thinks is important. And that's not dependent on whether or not his papa is doing a recording. Expectations in reality when watching Serbia and Switzerland. I'm about to finish the first half of Brazil versus Costa Rica. And as I do, I can't help but remember the first game that I had the chance to watch live today, which was when I finally got out of bed to catch the game between Serbia and Switzerland. It started off with a goal by Serbia, uh, four minutes, 50 seconds into the game. It was a high-pressure situation, and it was the fifth or sixth uh, high-pressure cross uh, across the face of the goal. So across <laughs> that directly crossed the face of the goal, and there had been numerous strikes on the keeper before one finally fell. And that 1-0 lead had propelled Serbia through the first half of the game and gave them an edge against Switzerland that prevented Switzerland from opening up the way many of the broadcasters felt that they would uh, as the game developed. But in the second half, Switzerland allowed itself to play wider spaces for its passes and its runs and in doing so created the opportunity to not only tie the game but in the final minutes break away for a winning goal the two to one win was the result of a patient persistence by switzerland which is one of the hallmarks of their playing style but that was something that was more noticeable because of the impact that Serbia's early fast-paced start had on them as we approached the 75th and 80th minutes. In those moments, it was clear to see that Serbia was struggling, that the strength and speed in its legs and players was fading and that their attempt to take an early lead and hold it was now struggling against a 1-1 tie. And as time marched closer to the 90th minute, the possibility of Switzerland taking full advantage and capitalizing with the lead became even more likely. And then eventually, it simply became true. In that story, Serbia had a great plan. They scored early, they maintained pressure, and through the first half, their goal looked very achievable. But that was only one expectation. The other was Switzerland's persistence and its recognition of its ability to gradually expand the field of play until its style took advantage of their strengths with his long, wide, open field passing and worked against their previous goal of Serbia, which was a high-pressure, high-energy first half. As those two forces worked against each other, it was clear to see that Switzerland's was winning. And that in this case, what was a great story about Serbia taking a commanding lead and controlling Switzerland turned into a story about Switzerland maintaining its composure 
sticking to the style of play that had uh, resulted in success both before and now in the World Cup and trusting in the ability to maintain that through a second half and take advantage of the opportunities that that kind of persistence provided and the goals that it resulted in. It was a story about two plans and how in the end only one brought about the result that was desired. If you can hear that shouting in the background, I have reached the point in the Brazil-Costa Rica game when Coutinho has well, scored a very impressive goal. There's exactly 91 minutes on the clock. According to the stoppage time record, five more minutes will be played. But that's all different now that Coutinho has scored right at the edge of that 90th minute. It was a great cross. And the great setup with the header that floats in. And you can see just that moment of confusion as the uh, header comes across and Coutinho's teammate tries to turn and give it a little bit of a touch, but it goes off of his foot, continues past him. And as it does, uh, Coutinho comes charging in. And they've just shown Brazil's coach so excited at what's happening that he's running out onto the field. And it looks like he slipped and fell, and maybe he's, yeah, he's limping a little bit. <laughs> uh, enthusiasm is beautiful when it catches all of us off guard like that. And here we sit now, uh, 92 minutes, four minutes roughly remaining on the stoppage time, and Brazil has a 1-0 lead. And there has to be a sense of relief because in the final 15 to 20 minutes, there's been a lot of frustration and a lot of uh, actions that are clearly the result of frustration. And what you never want to see is a great team like Brazil facing that sort of frustration crumble because of it and lose their composure. And instead... 20 minutes later, they found success and demonstrated that this sort of frustration isn't going to be the thing that wears them down, and that, as they've just proven, they're going to rise above it together, and maybe not on the first opportunity or the second, but clearly for Coutinho, who was the uh, fourth person to strike the ball, And the third person to touch it following the cross, they're going to keep working until the opportunities fall their way. And now the sound is just grateful cheers. Neymar has fallen to the ground. He's sunk to his knees. He's holding his face in his hands and he's crying right outside the circle of midfield. It's a little past 97 minutes, and Neymar was able to finish with a final goal on a pass from his teammate Costa. And now 
that sense of relief and also I'm sure there has to be uh, validation for so many struggles whether it's the surgery months before the cup the 10 or 14 depending on who you listen to fouls that he received in the opening game and at least another four to six fouls in this game today against Costa Rica Uh, there's clearly moments where he is in pain and it's clear that he's struggling and working and until the 90th minute when Coutinho scored the first goal all of that was simply effort with no result and while Costa Rica was also scoreless the pressure has as one of the announcers pointed out always been on Brazil the expectation because of their history and because of their talent and when faced against that all the frustrations all the difficulties I'm sure must feel magnified and compounded and yet here is Neymar crying on the field in relief after persevering and proving that he with the support of his team still has a long way to go with Brazil in this World Cup and I thought one of the announcers pointed out really well which was that the teammate who passed the ball Costa had an opportunity for the shot all his own and the answer said, but that's how I can tell they're a team, because he knew what this meant to give the clear shot to Neymar, for Neymar to be the one to score that goal, and what it meant for not only Neymar, but for the fans and his critics. And that short pass from the right crossing and the way that Neymar's foot was just able to definitely balance that strike and send it into the back of the goal, it cemented. For everyone who was believing in Neymar and Brazil, that their belief was founded on something that was true and something that was proven through that action right there. When it comes to expectation and reality, one of the greatest challenges is living up to expectations and in this case Neymar had to face reality which was that the goals weren't going to come easy or in the ways that they were expected and with over 20 shots at least 10 on target it was believed that one would fall during regulation time instead the two that counted came after the 90th minute or at least after the clock had passed 90 minutes, and both were achieved in stoppage time. I wanted to take a moment on a Friday afternoon, June 22nd, right before Pride Weekend in San Francisco, to say thank you for listening to this episode of Storytelling with Seth. And also that if you are listening and you're a soccer World Cup fan, or a fan of just great discussion and would like to engage either with a message or a comment or a topic or anything else that falls along those lines, I would really appreciate it if you took the opportunity to reach out. I promise I'll listen. 
You can always find me through the uh, links on my bio, uh, on whatever version of this podcast that you're listening to. And you can always find me various social media, Seth the Storyteller, Storytelling with Seth, and Seth the Writer. And you can always reach out to me at sethsingleton at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll be coming at you soon with more stories about the World Cup, about family, about love, about expectation and reality, and all of the other elements that make stories so engaging to us all. If you've got an idea, I can't wait to hear it. Enjoy the rest of your Friday, your weekend, and thanks again for listening. Oh, thank you. Tomorrow, Saturday, June 23rd, will mark one week since I woke up at 3 a.m. and began watching as many World Cups games as I could. After today's reality, that cars will drive by, or motorcycles like that one just did, or that when I wake up, I might be too tired to stay up, remind me that this entire tournament runs for at least another three weeks, and that in this one week, I've experienced what my own expectations and realities are and by keeping those in mind by watching the rest of the cup and each game even the games where I don't get to see it live what's important is not to measure reality against expectation to decide if this is a good, great, or exceptional World Cup or viewing experience, but to recognize that my expectations and the realities that come about or that I experience are actually what the story is really created from. That it's these two forces one being desire and the other being fact, truth, reality, however you wish to to frame it. And because of that, I am able to enjoy this for the production of that story and those stories. The stories that are created when desire and reality truth, fact, me, and the results, and what they mean, and what they tell. Yay! Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth, whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this 
recording, feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me, which should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you again, not only for listening, but for your generous support and for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.